Welcome to the podcast channel of the East Bay Unity Intergroup of Overeaters Anonymous. The opinions expressed here are those of individual members and do not represent OA as a whole. For more information about our intergroup, please visit our website at eastbayoa.org. Hello, my name is Jess. I'm a compulsive overeater. I'm up on the Olympic Peninsula in Washington State. I'm really... um, one of my friends and partners in recovery, Nyla, asked me if I would come be the speaker. And I said, yes, put in my calendar and promptly forgot about it. And I've just said a couple of, of uh, heartfelt prayers, you know, that the higher power I, I was completely skeptical about when I got here will just work through me and, and, and um, work with you. And so that because what I would like to do is just share um, share from the heart as honestly and clearly and authentically as I can um, and touch on the tool so that, you know, um, as a result of what's here in, in Overeaters Anonymous and the program of recovery that is um, outlined in, this is how I is outlined in the book, Alcoholics Anonymous, I um, and working the 12 steps with an abstinent sponsor. Um, I get to be, I've gotten to be continuously abstinent for a long time. And um, when I got here, a long time was anything over 11 days. Well, actually, when I'd been here for a year trying to control and manage my food and be abstinent without giving up compulsive overeating, a long time was anything over 11 days. Before I got here, a long time was anything past about 3 p.m. without practicing um all the tools of the addiction, right? The, my, um, very briefly, I am 56 years old. I'm, um, I'm 30 years abstinent. My, um, my abstinence anniversary is January 29th, 1920. Thank you. I absolutely, I applaud that heartily and it is beyond anything. I could, on my own, I got about 10 days of a white knuckle trying to not eat, um, probably just trying to not eat. I don't know. I was, um, okay. I wanted to make sure I tell you that the, the steps in the big book and a sponsor are what give me my program of recovery and the tools, the tools are so beautiful because there are things I can really, those are the, I don't know, like the tactical approach, right? I was, when I just was thinking back over my story, I realized like, oh my gosh, I think the tools are all the, the things that put me in a position to become willing to accept what's here and work the steps like my life depends on it and not try to do my own program of recovery. Um, so I, I uh, okay, I know what happens when I've been asked to speak is I spend a lot of time telling you the problem. And, um, and then I just get abstinent towards the end of it. And I don't, I want to do the opposite today. So I did not get to Overeaters Anonymous believing I was a real compulsive overeater and that I was desperate for a power greater than myself to restore me to sanity and recovery and that I was willing to accept what was here. I kind of got, I just got here surly, Um, but I did get here as a result of the 12 step in action and um, the tool Let's see. I got here. I got here because my sister carried the message of recovery to me. Um, I was in my twenties and trying desperately to manage and control my food by doing all sorts of things like 
um, try to not eat for as long as possible, trying to only binge on healthy foods. I'm, um, I'm very much, um, granola, you know, like hippie granola by nature. And I love that I get to come to Berkeley. I went to a lot of great concerts in Berkeley as a result of my love for a hippie musical band. And, and, uh, I just did, you know, I could be uptight and unhappy anywhere, including at um, concerts where everybody else was blissed out. And I could also be obsessing about food in places where it didn't seem like anybody else was thinking about food. Um, and I wanted desperately always to be thin, thinner than I was, prettier than I was, bigger chested than I was, longer legged than I was, all sorts of things. Um, and I really believed that if I could just do those things, I would feel ease and comfort happiness and people would like me and I would get along with others. And, um, and yet my sister was the angry, overweight, unhappy member of our family. And what happened to her was she got away from her family. She, um, she went to college as far as you could possibly go from Northwest Washington to Northeast Maine. And, um, and then she spent a year in India and five minutes so much. She lost a whole lot of weight. And way more importantly to me, she um, was suddenly able to interact with our family with what seemed like ease and comfort and peace and calm. And she would just say things like, I'm a member of Overeaters Anonymous. I work the 12 steps of recovery. I have a relationship with God of my understanding. And God isn't what I thought God was. Um, being able to eat anything I want and not gain weight isn't what I thought it was. And it turns out our family's nicer than I thought we were. That's those, all of those things led me to go to my first OA meeting in January of 1990. I was 24 years old. I had kind of the dream life. You know, I wasn't, I wasn't really big. I wasn't really small. I had this great job where I lived in the wilderness and hiked all the time. And I had this super awesome boyfriend that did it with me and um everything should have been great and I hated myself and I hated my relationship with food and it just occurred to me that maybe if OA helped my sister it could help me a little bit and so the very first tool I ever used I guess was going to a meeting I went to I rode my bike to a meeting of Overeaters Anonymous because it was closer than the fellowship I thought I really belonged in Codependence Anonymous I guess, because of my relationships with people, I ended up at this OA meeting. I got there late and um, they went around the circle. So by the time it got to me, I knew to say this. Hi, my name is Jessica. I'm a compulsive overeater. I'd like to pass. I'm grateful to be here. And nobody even knew I was a newcomer. But something happened at that meeting. Um, they did that hand wiggle, keep coming back. I don't even know if they said it works. They just said, keep coming back. And something in me went, okay, and I must have recognized, I must have recognized there was recovery in that meeting and that I, on some level, I wanted what the people there had. And I went to that meeting and a whole lot of other meetings um, on all three in a row of my days off. And so the tools that I was exposed to before I ever got abstinent, before I ever knew I wanted what you have were meeting and literature and service service was the first tool I got exposed to because of my sister's work. And I heard all of the tools described except plan of eating was called abstinence because it was 1990 and plan of action was yet to be a defined tool. And 
And I got like deep in the literature because it was really clear that abstinence and the literature were important. I'm so glad I was exposed to, um, I was exposed to book study meetings where they had baskets of lifeline. And a lot of people were dual members in um, AA. We read the big book um, and people said all the stuff that I'm, I'm sure said at this meeting and that I learned to say. Um, and I tried to define my own abstinence as I heard people say, no white sugar, no white flour. So I didn't eat any white sugar, white flour again. And I just binged on all the other foods. And the really instrumental tool for me, I guess, has been meetings because I never stopped going. I asked people to sponsor me that looked the way I wanted to look. I thought, find someone who has what you want meant for me as a 24 and then 25 year old woman with a boyfriend. Um, I thought find someone who's in their thirties, who's tall with big breasts and thin with long brown hair to their waist and two children and a happy marriage. I totally missed the part about find somebody who's not eating compulsively and works the steps and knows what's here. And what happened was I moved to a new city. I went to grad school in Madison, Wisconsin. And there was a woman there who recently moved from Boston where she was really what I would call like hardcore abstinent. And she couldn't find anybody like that in Madison. So at every meeting, she shared like rapidly on all the tools and the importance of not eating compulsively and the importance of not talking about anything at meetings except getting abstinent, saying abstinent. And she said things I found offensive, like you can't abstain from eating compulsively if you're still eating compulsively. And if she binges on vegetables between planned meals, she wouldn't be abstinent. And those things just, oh, they pierced me. So I didn't like her. And she also used the tool of the telephone and, and she called a lot of people all the time. I've always been in areas where the prescription was make 10 three, minutes. Thank you. Make three outreach calls. Okay. So there's just a tiny bit of fast forwarding here. I could not have a relationship with food that worked or feel really comfortable in meetings, um, working the steps while eating compulsively, sponsoring myself and memorizing the literature, but not getting desperate. And I really believe as the result of that woman sharing the way she did in meetings, which I found strident, offensive, personally aimed at me um all this and it really bugged me and I just kept going to all the meetings that I went to and she was always there something happened to me uh, in January 28th and it wasn't anything different I just binged on a I binged on a health food I bought from the bulk food store and um I will just take a little bird walk to tell you in my mind, I've always tried to tried to be like a good Berkeley hippie or something. It's funny that I get to come here. I don't really know what a good Berkeley hippie is like, cause I've never lived there. Um, but I, I, I just ate so much of this food. I filled my yogurt container with and was an ingredient in my dinner. I just ate it as I was cooking my dinner and I felt, terrible and I ate my dinner and then I probably ate more and then I went to bed and when I woke up in the morning on January 29th I just felt defeated so defeated I had nothing to say I went to the my regular noon meeting which is a miracle 
And when it was my turn to share, I just shared that I was completely defeated. I didn't know what to do. I couldn't stop eating compulsively. I was just, I just felt awful. And that woman approached me and she offered to help me get abstinent, stay abstinent. And that if I wanted to do the things she suggested, she thought I could have an abstinent life. And that's where my, that's January 29th, 1921. And I mean, sorry, 1991. <laughs> and I, um, she outlined that program of recovery that's in the big book that involves every single one of the tools every day to the best of my ability. And so what she did was, you know, I went to a lot of meetings. I had a sponsor that I actually like listened to what she said and followed her directions. And when I didn't, she would just say stuff like, that sounds scary. Or once a couple of times she said, oh, oh my gosh. And that was frightening to me. Like I, I wanted, I wanted what she had because she would tell me all the time, Jessica, I don't eat compulsively one day at a time. And I'm happy, Jessica. And I've been abstinent every day in a row for 16 months. And Jessica, why don't you just try being abstinent one day at a time, every day in a row for 16 months? And if you still feel as miserable and self-hating as you feel, I will buy you the first. And then she would put in a word of food she used to binge on. And, and um, this is what she asked me to do. I'm looking at my list of tools. She asked me to write down what my plan of eating would be. <coughs> Sorry, she asked me to make a plan of eating, write it down and call her at a time I thought was unreasonable and commit it to her. She asked me to go to any length to not cross those lines. The plan of eating that we worked out, um, she just asked me to it was, I guess it was three zero one. She asked me to tell her what I was going to eat for breakfast, lunch, and dinner and have it be moderate and sane. And so it took a couple of weeks um, of me trying to figure out, you know, oh, what does my, this breakfast look like? What does my that breakfast look like? And by two weeks, it sort of run through all the things I do. What do I do when I go to this kind of restaurant? And then it got easier. Um, and she like plan of action wasn't even a tool, but that's what she was asking me to do. She wanted me to call three people every day, whether I needed it or not, whether I thought they needed it or not. I could call to say hello. I could call to ask what they did with a step. Um, we practiced anonymity by not repeating what I heard other people say, not telling other people's stories. Um, she asked me to read two pages of the big book every day. And I'll just tell you that um, the OA literature had not been that I know, of, like we didn't have voices of recovery. We didn't have 12 steps and 12 traditions um, that she asked me to do. Like she asked me to use every single, every single tool and my 15 minutes. Uh, yes. 15 minutes. Thank you. And that is how I got abstinent about two weeks into my committing my food and all of that stuff. I started feeling a lot better and I felt like she was being a little unreasonable and I should be able to add certain healthy foods to my meal if I felt like it and thought it was justified. And um, so it's totally possible that I should reset my abstinent date to the, like I actually, you know, and we've talked about it. I'm not resetting. I, I, my abstinent state is to remind me that I am willing to go to any lengths to keep the, the, 
the recovery that I have, I, I, I don't binge, I don't purge, I don't to the best of my ability, like do all of the other things. And I run things past my sponsor. So really like I've pretty much been doing that for close to 31 years now, even though a whole lot of things had changed. I married that awesome boyfriend. Um, I've had two abstinent pregnancies. So my food plan looks different. At a year of abstinence, it just felt really arbitrary. My food plan felt arbitrary. And um, it just seemed like it would be way easier if I weighed and measured my food. So I went to a nutritionist. I got a weighed and measured food plan. And I have weighed and measured my food for a really long time. But now I'm much more, as a result of working with a sponsor, my food plan is less rigid than it was when I got abstinent. Um, so right now, you know, as my, as, as a provider that I continue to do on a daily basis, all of the things I I've been doing, you know, if my absence birthday comes on January 29th, which I believe it will, um, my program today looks, it looks pretty similar. Um, I'm grateful that I get to sponsor others. And I try to, I try to share with others what was shared with me. I try to be really clear about the importance of the steps. Um, I try to be really clear about the importance of clean, clear abstinence. Um, I've learned a whole lot in the last three years about the concept of surrender. And I hope I've learned a lot about humility. Um, I, um, it turns out that I am, I'm having an abstinent divorce and an abstinent loss of um, really almost everything that made up my community of recovery. I, I took some actions in leaving my marriage that led to um, that led to some really severe consequences, including being what feels to me like shunned, ostracized, and shamed by um, many of the people in my home groups, um, including in OA. And as a result of that, I have gotten to work the steps at depth, at a depth I have never had before with a desperation. I don't even think I had when I got abstinent in OA. Um, and I honestly am really grateful for that. I've worked all 12 steps with the new sponsor I got when my old sponsor fired me and I'm having to rebuild my partners in recovery and use the telephone outside of my immediate area and, um, and learn that anonymity is really like I, with my new sponsor, anonymity means what other people do is none of my business in or out of meetings and that I don't talk about anybody. I don't slyly carry tales. I don't tell other people and I'm really trying to learn to not talk about my experience, um, my, my really negative experience and what it felt like at other people's hands because it didn't work very well. I, um, it didn't work very well. People don't like to hear negative feedback <laughs> or I didn't do it well. Like, and um, so I feel, I definitely feel a new freedom and a new happiness. And, and um, you know, what I know today is that I have a relationship with a higher power that is so like, I just sound like the people I had contempt for when I got here. 
I have a sponsor who reminds me every time we talk, which is not every day, that my job is to ask God for help, develop a loving relationship with that loving God and with myself, and to find people that I can feel balanced, equal, and reciprocal with in my program of recovery and, um, and share what I have with people who want to share it and just try to really listen um, for the solution. I hope I touched on everything. Um, I just, I can't wait to hear what you guys talk about. I wish I'd been able to come to this meeting um, before I, um, uh, let's see, what, is there anything on here I haven't talked about? I don't think so. And I think also, oh, that, so I would just say, thank you so much for inviting me. Like, thanks to the person who invited me to share. And thank you for being such a beautiful group of people to share this time with this morning. Thank you so much. And I pass. Thank you, Jess, so much. Um, Before we.